Good morning. Well done. Well, my name is Brandon. Uh, I am the pastor of Preaching and Vision here at, uh, at Sojourn Heights. If I could, let me give one more quick uh, announcement. Uh, if you weren't here or if you're not a member, this is um, not our building. Uh, we announced this at the members meeting last weekend. Uh, we've been uh, in- incredibly grateful to Heights Church of Christ for uh, renting us this space, uh, but we uh, we do own a building. It's a few blocks from here. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've gotten our permits, and uh, everything is green-lighted for construction to start back, and we should be back in our building not too long from now, and so we'll give more, uh, more updates uh, to come, which is exciting. Uh, we are in the middle of our one series, our annual uh, look at gospel church mission, this reminder of, uh, of who we are and why we're here. And so week one, we talked gospel. Week two, we talked church. Uh, and now week three, we're talking mission. And so let's get started. In college, uh, in college, there was a girl. Um, isn't there always? There was a girl. Um, we dated about two, two and a half years, and then we broke up. And by that, I mean she broke up with me. And so I, uh, so I made her a mixed tape because if you're in college, that's what you do, right? Except this mixed tape had one song, so it wasn't really a mixed tape. It was just a tape. And so I was going to show her. Uh, and it was a... a uh, it was a country song, which we haven't talked about country music in a while, and so I apologize for that. I'm very sorry. I feel like I've failed as your pastor, but um, this song that, that I sent to her, it was about this um, desire for a music career, and so I want to read you uh, a few of the lyrics. Here it goes. Um, one full moon August night. I can't believe I'm reading this right now. Like, I'm just five words in thinking, what am I doing right now? But... We're going to go. It's too late to turn back. So one full moon August night, he heard a voice in the front row sing. <laughs> I seriously can't believe I'm reading this song to you guys. He heard a voice in the front row singing. It was a sandy-haired river boy with the same old hungry eyes, looked up and said, and this is what I wanted you to hear, I'm going to be somebody someday. One of these days, I'm going to break these chains. I'm going to be somebody someday. Now, you, you might not like country music, or you at least might pretend that, like you don't like country music. But I'm guessing the phrase, going to be somebody someday, resonated with 100% of this room at some point in our life. Right? There is this innate longing, this innate wiring in us for significance that would say, I'm going to be somebody when. Right? If you're a child, it might be one of a fireman or I'm an astro or a cowboy. You name me, right? It, it might be when my career takes off. It might be when I get married, right? When someone looks at me and says, I want you, that's what I'm going to feel like I am somebody. There's this innate wiring, this innate longing in all of humanity, 100% for significance, And St. Augustine, the famous St. Augustine from the 4th and 5th century summarized this when he said, O Lord, our hearts are restless. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in Thee. That what what St. Augustine knew was, was underneath this longing for significance, underneath this desire for meaning and purpose was deeper questions about life. Questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What is the purpose of all of this? These are deeper questions that sit underneath that desire for significance in all of us. And what St. Augustine also knew is that the answer to those questions 
can only be found in the narrative, in the story of the Scriptures. And so here, here's what the Scriptures are going to say. That the Scriptures are going to address this desire for purpose. This desire for meaning like this. They're going to say, purpose is found in God's presence, and expanding God's presence is our purpose. It's going to say, purpose is found in God's presence, and expanding God's presence is our purpose. And if you know that the, the Bible, the, the story of the Bible is one of God establishing presence with His people, our text today, this, this famous Great Commission text that we're looking at, can answer two questions. One, why am I here? Two, why do we plant churches? So let's get started. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and said, that's not true. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. So, so this is kind of week one and week two right here. Week, week one, we said that the heart of the gospel, that the heart of the Christian gospel is a man of divine authority who laid that divine authority down for you and for me, and that, that worship and doubt are not incompatible, and that sojourn will be, is and will be, a safe place to doubt. It will be a safe place to wrestle through doubt, whether it's intellectual doubt or emotional doubt, whether it's how could there be X or how could God ever love me? Like, like I, I know me, I know last month, I know last year, and I know that God could never look at my life and love me. That, that's an emotional doubt, and sojourn is a safe place to doubt. Worship and doubt are not incompatible. And then week two, um, we said the church exists to make disciples, introducing people to Jesus and then teaching them how to live. And now week three, um, today we're going to see two directives and a promise. So directive one is going to be in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. And now here it is. Make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. And so let's, um, let's talk about something. There, there are at, at least three primary mistakes people read, uh, make when they're reading the Bible. Mistake number one. Uh, mistake number one is that they read the Bible as a collection of stories. Uh, that, that if you, you look at Jonah, you look at... Abraham, you look at Jesus, you look at um, New Testament stuff, you, you look at Revelation, some are stories that are true, some are myths, some, uh, but they're just this collection of independent ancient stories. Uh, that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that they read it as a book of uh, a kind of religious code, right? Like what God is after is he's after moral conformity, and so the Bible is this book about how God wants to get moral conformity and the kind of moral conformity that God is after. That's mistake number two. But then mistake number three, and this one is really relevant for us today, is that we read the New Testament disconnected from the Old. We, we read the New Testament like, or, or we read the Bible like it's two stories. The, the Old Testament story and then the New Testament story. And so what happens is you, you have this view of the Bible that becomes the Old Testament is about law, the New Testament is about grace. Alright, so the Old Testament you have this God who is angry and, and pretty vengeful, and, and then you have the New Testament, and you have the gentle, loving, gracious God who's pretty nice, uh, and they become different. Or if you put it in theological terms, the Old Testament is about Israel, and then the New Testament is about the church, and the church was plan B. Right? But we read them as two separate stories, um, and the problem is that's not how the Bible describes itself. 
Um, the Bible describes itself as one story of redemption, that the New Testament is an outgrowth of the old. And here's why this is important. For, for us to understand the scope of what Jesus is saying when he says, make disciples of all nations, we, we have to know what was in the mind of the audience, what was in the mind of the disciples when they heard him. What, what is it they would have thought of? How would they have put the pieces together? And in the minds of the disciples, there was no dichotomy. There wasn't Old Testament, New Testament, completely separate from one another. There wasn't this biblical dichotomy that we have um, today often. There weren't two stories. There was one redemptive story. And let me prove it in Romans 1. Romans 1, Paul uh, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we have the gospel, right? So, so far in verses 1 and 2, we have the gospel of God. And if you see the gospel of God, how many gospels is that? One or more than one? One. One gospel of God that was promised beforehand. That's speaking of in the Old Testament. That the gospel of God was proclaimed in the Old Testament through the prophets and in the Scriptures. Now, now, what was the gospel of God talking about? When he says the gospel of God proclaimed beforehand, what was he talking about? Verse 3, concerning his son. The gospel of God, Old Testament, concerning his son. That the Old Testament is a story of redemption through Jesus. That the story of grace is woven in from Genesis 1 on. Concerning his son who is descended from David. That's a famous Old Testament figure. Descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about, listen to this, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. Listen, the story of the Scriptures from beginning to end was about the unfolding, redemptive plan of God. From beginning to end, it was about the unfolding mystery of Christ. It was about the redemption of God, the grace of God in Christ that would extend to all nations one day. This is the story of the Scriptures. The redemption of God, the grace of God, and the person and work of Christ. And so in our mission statements, when our mission statement says, joining the Father, Son, and Spirit in the historic work of redemption, and when we take all nations, and we trace all nations from, from Abraham to the new heavens and the new earth, and we see that from beginning to end, the plan was always about all nations, when our mission statement says, joining in the historic work of redemption, we mean at least three things by it. One, we, we mean that Christ was no myth. He wasn't a mythological character. He was a man. He was a man come from heaven to earth to die for your sin and for mine. That He was an actual figure in history. And that our story, what we're a part of, dates back deep into the past. It dates back at least, at least 4,000 years. At minimum, 4,000 years. And then it means... And then it means that we do ministry the way that ministry has been done 
for 2,000 years that we gather week in and week out for sermon, for sacrament, to, to walk through a liturgy. We, we gather um, as a people this, and, and in community on mission. It means that we do ministry the way it's been done for thousands of years. That we are not new, we are not novel, we are historic, and we are grounded. That we have deep, deep, deep roots. If you want something shallow, flip it to, change, to, to try to fix your life. There's a thousand places you can go for that. But what you need is not that. What you need is something that's got enough history to transcend today. That's what you need. We are deep, deeply rooted in history. And then it means, it means that God is still writing a story. That God is still writing that story of redemption today and into the future. That what began in, in the garden, what began with Abraham to Israel to the church, God is still writing today in us, through us, for the glory of God in the heights and in Houston. That He is still writing that story. And now in our second directive, in our second directive, we get invited in. Let's keep reading verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and here it is, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name. Look at the word in. Circle that word in. Well, don't circle it because you're probably on an, on an iPad. But, or a phone, or you're looking at the screen. doesn't matter. Look at the word in. Let me give you a better translation for the word in. Uh, a better translation for the word in is the word into. It's the word into, that you're baptized into something. And so when you, when you come to faith in Christ, right, when you go from I don't believe in Jesus to now I do believe in Jesus, it's not just that you're saved into or, or it's not just that you identify with something new, but it's that you're saved into something new. Right? So you had a former life, now you have a new life. You had a past and now you have a future. You're saved into something new. And what you're invited into is you're invited into the life of God. You're baptized into the mission of God. When it says baptized into the name, you are baptized into the mission of God. And you want to deal with boredom in your life. Like You, you want to deal with the consistent um, boredom that you feel with the mundane. This right here will transcend all of that. It will change all of it because now the mundane isn't mundane anymore. The mundane in your life, right? the routine of life, whether it's work, home, stay-at-home mom, you, you name it. Teacher, the mundane, the routine is no longer mundane and routine, but it's about you exercising and carrying out the mission of God in the spheres and circles that God has placed you in. It is no longer mundane. It is no longer routine. And so I want to I think about this, right? Because the, the mission of God is the mission of the church. And I want to think about this in the context of our neighborhood parishes. All right, so our neighborhood parishes, smaller expressions of the church as family. There are men and women in this room who gather weekly for meals and uh, uh, to have coffee and uh, to, to come together and have kind of table liturgies in, in our homes week in and week out. And, and these are not, if these are meant to be the mission of God carried out in us, they are not simply community groups. But they are communities of people on mission. They are not simply community groups. They are communities of people on mission together, smaller expressions of the church as family. And so when we multiply parishes, 
We are not simply growing sojourn. We are extending the kingdom of God. We are extending the presence of God. We are carrying out the mission of God where we are. And this is why. This is commissioning Sunday for Taylor and for Sojourn Galleria. This is why we are zealous about church planting. This is why we will remain zealous about church planting. That salvation happens in the presence of God. That salvation happens when your life and the presence of God collide. And the presence of God has always dwelt in the temple. Old Testament, the temple was a building. New Testament, the temple is the church. We plant churches because salvation has always happened in the presence of God. We want to extend the presence of God through church planting. Ephesians 2 says it like this. It calls the church the holy temple, a holy temple, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's who we are. Dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so when God uses us to plant churches, I'm straight stealing this from Drew Knowles. When God uses us to plant churches, He is not simply multiplying gospel presence. He is multiplying His presence. He is not simply multiplying gospel presence. He is multiplying His presence. And so because we are here and we join in the mission of God to make disciples of all nations primarily through the multiplication, through the planting of churches and the church is where God's presence is. Christ can leave us with a promise. Verse 20. So we make disciples of all nations, baptizing into the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, here's the promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. End of the age, uh, that, that's not just a generic term. That's speaking of a period of time from the resurrection to the return. And so Jesus is saying, uh, while I'm not here, I'm here. While I'm not here, I'm here. And so how can he say this? Where is he here? Where is he among us? It's the same thing from Ephesians 2. It's, it's that in the cross, through the cross, by the cross of Christ, what Jesus had just done before this statement in Matthew 28 is that he had created a people where the Spirit of God would dwell, where God would dwell by the Spirit. He had created a place where His presence would be. And in the cross, we have access to this presence, which means, which means, which means that if you are sitting here and you feel forsaken or forgotten by God, if, if you look at your life right now, and, and you look at whether it's your marriage, your job, and, and you feel like God has moved on from you, like if, you, if you feel like God has moved on from you, let me tell you the best place to go. A neighborhood parish and a Sunday gathering. Why? Because you're going where God is. And, and listen, I, I've, I've been there. It, it, it wasn't long ago, long ago where I, I would say I was sitting in my car feeling like God had moved on and forgotten about me. And, and if you're sitting here feeling forgotten and moved on from it's not, you, you are no more forgotten and no more moved on from by God than I was, which is not at all. And He would encourage you, and I would encourage you, run to a neighborhood parish, run to Sunday gathering, go where He is. It means that if you're lonely, right, if you're sitting here and you are gripped by a porn addiction, 
let me speak to two groups of people on this one. If you're a guy in here and you are gripped by a porn addiction, go where he is and get yourself in the light now. Run to a neighborhood parish. Run to a Sunday gathering. Grab somebody and say, I need help. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again right now. There are men and women in this room right now, right now, who one day are going to have an affair because today you don't think a double take is that big of a deal. Run where he is. Go where he is. Scream in the presence of God, I need help. And now if you're, if you're, a, if you're a wife, and listen, pause. I don't for a second uh, think that women don't struggle with porn. I, I am not that foolish. But I want to speak to the wives who have husbands that are gripped by porn addictions right now. Run where he is. In the middle of that, you are not forsaken. You are not forgotten. Run where he is and say, I need help. Run where he is. And the question that I would ask is, are you? Are you? Right? Because you have really two choices. And the choice is yours. We, we can't force you to do this. Like, as, as one of your pastors, there is nothing that we can do to force this on you. But you have two choices. Either one, you can, you can run to isolation where, where your cry is, I am with me. Or you can run to the church where Christ says, I am with you. You get two choices. You can run to isolation where you scream to yourself, I am with me. No one else would get me. No one understands the problem. Right? It won't help anything. I'm with me. I've got this. No, you don't. Or you can run to the church and you can scream, I need help. And Christ will say, I'm with you and I'm here. And you're not forsaken. And you're not forgotten. I am with you. And so here's what I want to do to cap this and t- keep, keep this tight. I, I, since this is a commissioning Sunday for Taylor, this is a commissioning Sunday for Taylor and for Sojourn Galleria, I, I want to I close talking to three groups of people in here. Um, and I, uh, I, I don't want these words. I want these words that, that I'm going to say particularly to Sojourn Galleria uh, and to Taylor. I want these words to be a means by which God would say, I'm with you. Hey, Sojourn Gallery core team, you perish over there. And to Taylor, I, God might say, I'm with you through these words. And so, to Sojourn Heights, to Sojourn Heights, four words. Pray, tell, and go. I want to plead with you to pray, Sojourn Heights, for Sojourn Gallery, that this is an extension of our family. This is a multiplication of our family into the Galleria. This is, this is sojourn multiplying God's presence into the Galleria. Pray for them. And then tell, tell everyone you know that there is a community forming right now in the Galleria. And then go.
some of you, not all of you, some of you. If all of you go, it's going to be awkward next Sunday. I mean, I'll do it. I'll preach to my wife. She's fine with that. But Some of you still need to pray about going and joining what God is doing in the Galleria. And then to Sojourn Galleria, to this core team, I want to say four words to you. Encourage, commit, relax, and enjoy. Encourage, commit, relax, and enjoy. Uh, One, encourage. Encourage one another. Encourage Taylor and his family. Taylor is going to make mistakes. Um, He is going to do things that in hindsight, he is going to wish he had not done. And it is not always your job to be the voice of correction or conviction in his life. Sometimes, but not always. Most of the time, just be a source of encouragement to Taylor and his family. Commit. Commit to what, is God, to commit to what God is doing. Be willing to become a neighbor. Move in and live with and love the people that you are trying to reach through Sojourn Galleria. Commit. Relax. Um, just, just breathe a little bit. All right, there's going to be this anxiousness in you that especially as the fall moves on and you get closer and closer to January, there's going to be some anxiousness in you to, uh, to, uh, to feel like I've got to do something. Like we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough. We're not doing enough. If we don't do more, we're not doing it. Relax. Relax. Just go be a neighbor and love one another and you're doing it. All right? Relax. And then enjoy. Enjoy the ride. That if you, if you ask people that are in this room that were part of uh, the, the core team planting Sojourn Heights, uh, I, I bet none of you uh, would say, or none of them would say, uh, man, I really miss set up and tear down, or I really miss disinfecting babies at Heights, or I mean at Fitzgerald's. I, I, but, I, but I would bet this. I, I bet every one of them would say, I wouldn't trade that season for anything. Enjoy the ride. And then to, to Taylor. Taylor, I want to steal some words from Mark Dever. Four words Mark Dever said to a friend of mine. Preach, pray, love, and stay. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Fight to make the Word understandable and interpretable for everyone in the room, but never waver from its truth or its power. And then pray. Pray diligently for your family, for yourself, for your people, and for your neighborhood. Pray. And then love. Be willing to take the risk to open your heart to the people of Sojourn Galleria. I I heard it said one time that a pastor should not have friends inside of his church or on his staff. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. And by stupidest, I mean stupidest. Open your heart to them. Love your people. You will not regret it. And then stay. When times get hard, and they will get hard, fight the temptation to fantasize and dream about an easier life. There will always be something easier than planting a church. Fight the desire and the temptation to dream about what might be easier. Preach, pray, love, and stay. And so, when, when we answer the question or we ask the question, 
why am I here? Or, or maybe a better question for us on a commissioning Sunday would be, why are we here? Here's the answer. We're here to expand the presence of God in the city of Houston. That the story of redemption that God was writing that began in Eden, that moved on to Israel, that moved on in Christ, that moved on in the church, God is still writing that story today. And so the way that we play our part in God writing that story by joining the Father, Son, and Spirit in the historic work of redemption is by planting churches that plant churches that plant churches until the glory of God covers Houston like the waters cover the sea. Let's pray.